Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant. For those of you who don't yet know me, I'm a sexual abuse recovery coach and the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them let go of the pain of abuse and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. I'm so excited to have here with me my guest today, Ryan Summers, who's going to be sharing with us about yoga as a healing tool for trauma survivors. To get us started, I want to tell you just a little bit about Ryan. She is a yoga teacher based in San Francisco who has a background in counseling advocacy work with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. Through her work, she supported many survivors in identifying creative ways of caring for themselves and continues to do so in her work as a yoga teacher. Ryan believes that yoga allows for greater resiliency and healing through mindful breath and movement. Ryan, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. And to get us started, I'd really love to hear how you came to be interested in yoga for trauma. So I actually found yoga from the counseling perspective and not the other way around. Um, I studied clinical psychology in college and was really interested in trauma, specifically healing sexual and domestic violence against women. 
Um, and when I was an undergrad, I founded a support group for survivors of sexual assault. And we noticed that there was really a lack of transition between that intense subject matter and then the survivors returning to their busy lives on campus. So we started using yoga as a decompression tool to transition between the two, just very grounding breath, very simple shapes. Mm-hmm. And then when I was working as a counselor and advocate for sexual and domestic violence post-grad, um, I noticed, again, that shallow breath work in my clients. So we started doing visualization work, deep belly breath. So my kind of interest and passion started with the healing side, and then I saw yoga as a potential tool in that healing process. Really beautiful, and I love this because, you know, so many of um, us survivors and certainly many of my clients are in, you know, kind of what I describe as a, a freeze or a flight, fight mm-hmm. state, and that's just kind of their, their where they're at all the time. Their norm, yeah. Uh-huh, exactly, and until they start really digging into that and getting some guidance and support about how to actually unlock that your their system essentially, um, they just kind of stay and in, in that space and maintaining that. And um, it looks like you were really able to tune into how that was affecting their kind of recovery and their treatment. So I'd love to hear more about how yoga can really benefit survivors that maybe you don't find in other modalities. Yeah, absolutely. So often trauma takes place in the body. In fact, there's nothing that we've experienced in our lives that the body hasn't been there for. So I believe that trauma in the body really necessitates a healing technique that works with the body. I mean, I think talk therapy is incredible. Coaching is incredible. There are so many modalities that are really important in healing. Um, But I think we miss the entire picture when we leave the body out of the healing process. There's actually a physical and a neurological shift in patterning that takes place during and after a traumatic event. So yoga can combine mindful movement and breath to shift that pattern and bring it towards a more healthy baseline. And just like you mentioned, one of the concrete ways that yoga brings healing is by tapping into that parasympathetic nervous system. So usually when triggered, a survivor will find him or herself in this fight-or-flight reaction. It's shortened Mm -hmm. breath, hypervigilance, over-awareness. And by paying attention and lengthening the breath, by moving slowly and actually finding yourself in your body, we can soothe that response and bring it more towards a rest and digest, a lack of hypervigilance and an easing in. Absolutely. And, you know, I think what's really interesting, um, having done this work for some time now, is I think people find their entry point into healing um, that works for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes coming in from the, the cognitive space first um, and then, or coming in from the body space first and then having a combination of the two maybe or, you know, kind of putting it all together. But I absolutely agree that while I work uh, quite a bit on kind of the, the neurological wiring, like on the brain level, um, that more and more I'm seeing how bringing in even just, you know, one or two exercises that are about body awareness orienting, you know, getting present to your space and your surroundings and being grounded in in your body makes such a huge difference because you're absolutely right. You know, the trauma is happening both to our psyche and to our physical being, especially if it's sexual abuse. Um, mm -hmm, Yeah. 
And so, you know, I know for me, um, having done yoga and gone to yoga classes, um, that there's a lot going on there. And being tuned into this, you know, and being aware of the fact that people can, you know, get triggered. I've seen people get triggered in classes and, and teachers not necessarily know what to do. Um, and I, I think there's probably something very distinct uh, between just going to a regular old yoga class and going to a yoga class that's really, I think, um, where, the, where the teacher is trained or focused on supporting survivors. So can you make that distinction for us? What's the difference? And for maybe for our listeners who are thinking, oh, this sounds really great, but how do I know? What should I be looking for? Yeah. How do I distinguish between a class that's going to help me in the way that, you know, Ryan's talking about and one that might just end up being triggering? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so in a perfect world, every class would be sensitive to trauma, right? You could have every teacher take a trauma training. You could make sure that people recognize the signs of triggers. But because that's not always the case, it's really important to create this specific safe space. Um, so the main difference is that most yoga classes, and I'm talking about a vinyasa, which is a sort of faster class, sometimes heated, they'll have a lot of stimulation, right? They'll have really fast, poses, often one breath to one movement, where mm -hmm. people can tend to kind of lose their breath because they're trying to keep up. Um, there's often loud music. There can be physical assist without consent for each assist. And there's generally this culture of kind of striving, right? You're trying to do the most advanced option of every pose and a sea of other people yes. who are taking really <laughs> similar movement. And it's, it right. can be a lot going on. So... I think all of those factors combined can really lead to a loss of control, you know, just mm. trying to keep up, not really feeling your body. So when yoga is sensitive to healing, it creates this container where there's a lot of language around choice. So the survivor can choose to take a shape or choose not to take that shape and do something else. Um, they can breathe in a way that's feeling grounding and spacious for them. They can really listen to their bodies and and know that every pose is just as valid and valuable as any other pose. So there's no, like, hierarchy. Mm -hmm. There's no arc. Um, okay. And in my private sessions, I really work with leaving it up to the student as far as how long he or she will actually hold a certain pose. So I'm not mm -hmm. giving commanding language. Um, I'm, I'm guiding. I'm giving options, absolutely, but... The survivor is the one who knows whether that shape feels good in their bodies. So Absolutely. one thing that's important, like I'm sure you do a lot of work around triggering, and what one shape could be incredibly grounding for someone. Like child's pose might feel mm -hmm. so supportive for one survivor. For another, just having their head down on the floor and not being able to see their surroundings might be awful. Yeah. So knowing right. that, you know, even saying, okay, if at any point in the practice you want to take child pose, this is a safe pose, like that actually might not be true. Right. So yeah. leaving a lot of space around that. Um, and then That's another... really good. Oh, can, okay. I, can I just say something following on that before you go to the next yeah. piece? Um, because I think this is, I really want to highlight that. I really want people to hear that about choice. Mm -hmm. This is one of the very first things that's taken away as a result of abuse is choice. Right. And so even if you're in a class where the teacher isn't actively offering you choices, remember that you have them. <laughs> you know? yeah. 
And, it's and hard you to don't do wanna, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if you don't want to hold a pose or you don't want to go into a particular pose or you don't want to close your eyes, even though you're instructed to close your eyes, because that can mm-hmm. sometimes be triggering for people, um, yeah. you know, toy with that. Have a chat with your teacher and, and talk about that um, if if you feel comfortable um, because even if I think the teacher's not providing that, we can in some ways advocate for ourselves. And sometimes that's hard, especially if we don't, you know, if we have other stuff going on like shame or not feeling like we can do stuff like that. But I just want to encourage everyone listening to to remember that you do have that space of choice, even if the teacher isn't necessarily providing it. Um, awesome. So what else? What else should people be looking for um, in their yoga classes if they're they're coming to class with, with some trauma? So another choice that's really important is whether or not a student is physically assisted. There is a lot of differing opinion in this field around whether physical assist can be safe at all, whether a teacher should even be offering that option. Um, But I think what's really important, again, is that language of choice so that a survivor is never physically assisted in a yoga practice without knowing that it's coming and without knowing what the touch is going to be. So, for example, even just saying, is it okay if I assist you, isn't as good as saying, is it okay with you if I place my hand on your low back? You know, yeah. knowing what's coming so they can decide, okay, that's a safe touch for me today, or maybe not because every day is different, right? Yeah. So giving that, giving that option, I think personally that healing touch can be very therapeutic if it's used correctly and intentionally, sure. um, but some would disagree with that. So mm-hmm. really just being mindful around physically assisting and, and making that a very, very solid choice. Absolutely. I love this. And, you know, for me, um, th- there was a, a moment in class um, a couple of months ago, and even with all the work that I've done, sometimes things just will catch me off guard. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a new thing to notice and kind of heal around. Um, but I just made the request of my teacher to just always touch me on the shoulder first. Um, before doing anything else, just so I knew she was there. It was a very, like, uh, restorative class, so you're doing a lot of just kind of holding poses and on the mat and all of that. Um, And I found just even making that request, first of all, empowered and choice, and then that little nudge of, like, okay, here I come, (laughs) you know, (laughs) was just enough. And um, But I do love what you just said there about also teachers getting, you know, specific um, and saying more about this is what I'm about to do, this is how I'm going to assist you, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just kind of that that general way of touching. So um, thanks for that. I also offer mostly grounding assist, not deepening assist. So the difference Mm -hmm. between the two is the grounding is I would would help a survivor feel their feet, like notice that their feet Mm -hmm. are on the ground, or I would give them kind of a restorative assist, make them more comfortable. I would very rarely push a survivor deeper into a shape because my guess is that they're as deep into the shape as feels good. So yeah. there's no need to kind of increase that sensation. So there's also this idea of non-striving language in a trauma-sensitive class. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying push a little deeper, you know, go as fast as you can go, see if you can hold that stretch a little longer. Like, I'm not trying to disempower them from listening to the limits of their bodies. If, mm-hmm. if they come out of a shape, it's because it's time to come out of the shape. So really being respectful around that. Mm-hmm. I like that. 
Yeah, and at the end of the day, it, it sounds like it's a, it's a practice that's more about becoming embodied and self-aware mm-hmm. as opposed to, let's see how long you can hold this pose or how, how much you can twist your body here. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not a contest. It's really yeah. like, oh, yeah. does this feel good? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. can I even be in communication with my body? Because like yeah. you said, sometimes there's this disconnect, even thinking does this stretch feel good? Do I still want to be holding it? That's strengthening the pathways of listening and being compassionate with your body. Like that's the relationship that we're trying to cultivate, not one mm-hmm. of, of striving. I'm not trying to motivate them to push as hard as they can. Um, mm-hmm. And then one last thing that you mentioned actually was closing your eyes. That is not mm-hmm. always a safe option. So when I cue that, I always say um, in this, Space, you can close your eyes if that feels like a comfortable option for you. Otherwise, just keep your gaze nice and soft. Um, Being aware of what guided imagery you're using, making sure that Mm -hmm. it's not a potential trigger. Um, Molly Boder-Harris, who I'll talk about a little bit more later on as a resource, has this great piece on her website about options for Shavasana. Like even laying down on your back in the dark, you know, for some people, incredibly relaxing. For some people, it's like, what am I doing here, right? That's, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel safe. So offering modifications and, and options for that as well. Got that. Yeah, and um, Molly's site, just for everybody listening, is the Breathe Network. Uh, is it .org mm-hmm. or .com? I'm forgetting now. .org. .org, yeah. yeah. And um, huge um, resource. Like, get over there today and check it out because <laughs> she has just built an amazing network of providers, resources, tools. Yeah, definitely go and check that out. You know, Ryan, as I um, am hearing you share some of these specific things that um, survivors can be looking for, in, you know, when practicing yoga and maybe turning their attention to certain things and away from others, I'd love to hear just from your experience working with survivors, what, are, what have you seen um, as far as some shifts or transformations? Um, maybe something, you know, a, a story of a client that you've worked with or something that you've noticed that through yoga a person was able to really gain or, um, you know, heal something that they maybe they'd been struggling with to do otherwise? Absolutely. So I am working with one private client at the moment who has complex trauma and is working through PTSD, and she has really tapped into what is a trigger for her and then how she reacts to that trigger. So it's been incredible Mm -hmm. to see that slowing down of the process. And by that I mean that beforehand she would be triggered before she would even realize that it was happening, Mm -hmm. you know, and then kind of retroactively say, oh, I reacted that way because I was triggered. And we've kind of learned together, okay, what happens in your body when you're triggered and how does that begin so that we can notice it at the most basic level, like at the very beginning? And then what are some concrete tools, like how can you move your body and how can you breathe that will mm-hmm. ground you in resistance to that trigger? Um, and we've had triggers come up in our work together, and it's actually a really beautiful opportunity for us to kind of workshop it because we're in this yeah. incredibly safe space. Like if she's triggered in a private yoga session and we're working together, we can try out these grounding tools. We can try out different breaths and different shapes and see what works for her. And then when she's by herself, 
she takes those same shapes and breaths and has just, yeah, she's reported that she's found a lot more awareness around Beautiful. what is a trigger for her and how to heal it. Hmm. I love that. And, you know, it also brings to mind if um, maybe like just the the first thing that you would advise somebody to do, let's say a survivor is in a yoga class and they're noticing that like something's starting to feel really off or their heart's going crazy, they're having a panic attack, something's going on. What would you say, um, what would you advise somebody to do in that kind of a situation? Yeah, so it's different for everybody, which is obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's obvious answer, but... If a student tells me before a class that they think that they might be triggered, we figure out a, a breath pattern or a shape before the trigger that they know feels safe. So they okay. have this go-to. You know, when you're in a heightened state of arousal, you're not thinking, oh, this one time I took this breath and I think it kind of... Right. Like, you need to have <laughs> yeah. a tool, like an immediate tool. So we have a go-to safe shape. Um, And so without question, at any point in the practice, if they're starting to feel a little off or in need of support, that's the shape that they take. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that because everybody, I think, listening could could kind of tune into that for themselves and kind of experiment with shapes and and kind of notice. And I also love what you said there. I mean, it's a very vulnerable thing, but to go to the teacher ahead of time and say, hey, just so you you don't have to say I'm a survivor of sexual abuse and I might take this pose. You know, you could just say, you know, there might be times during the practice where I'm going to need to just take a moment for myself. And that's your way of telling them, look, if I go off, you know, course here from the program or from the the lesson, let me just be because that's what I need. Yeah. And there are some styles of yoga where the teacher will really enforce that students stay with the program. And that is not the type of class that that I would recommend um, I agree. in this scenario. I think it's really important that the teacher is saying, like, I'm so glad to see that you're listening to your body. Or, like, if mm-hmm. they leave the room and they come back, great. Yeah. Like, really just commending people for taking care of themselves because it's mm-hmm. incredibly wise and sometimes really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about a few um, other resources that survivors and practitioners can really use to really further understand yoga as healing. Mm -hmm. So one of the resources that you and I both mentioned is the Breathe Network. Um, And what I love about that is that it links survivors with healing modalities, including yoga, but also acupuncture, talk therapy, um, coaching, rolfing, I mean, a number of healing services that a survivor will know are safe. Mm-hmm. So you can go to this website and say, I'd like to try this and that, and it will connect you to healers in your area. So that is one service that I just think is, is really beautiful. And for me, as a practitioner, it's connected me, to, well, to you, <laughs> and mm-hmm. to lots of other um, healing service providers. That's been great. Um, In terms of research, there's some really exciting stuff going on in Brookline, Massachusetts. There's a team with Bethel Vanderkolk and Dave Emerson doing a lot of really qualitative and quantitative research on yoga as a healing tool for trauma. They call it trauma-sensitive yoga. Um, And they've kind of built modules around it and are testing those. So it's finally gaining some traction. People Mm -hmm. are really interested in it. It's a really exciting time to be doing this work. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that... Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I was just going to say one more thing. On my website, I do have 
a link that has a list of um, further resources for reading. If you're really interested in yoga as a healing tool and yoga for mm-hmm. trauma, there are about 15 books, and I'm, I'm working with other professionals in this field. Just keep adding to that list. So it's a great a great resource for anybody who's curious and just wants to kind of learn a little bit more about it. Got it. Yeah, really nice. And I I really appreciate you coming on the show today and and talking about this aspect of healing. I am glad to hear that it's gaining more and more um, recognition and attention and that we're, um, you know, as healers, starting to really think about, you know, the whole mind-body-spirit connection more and more. Yeah, exactly. That's some research. It's not like like this new agey, like, woo-woo-y thing. Like, no, it's really real. It's like... I know, even in Boston... I know, right? Boston, holy cow. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it because, yeah. um, you know, the the brain is such an amazing um, thing and how it, um, you know, is impacted by trauma, but also, like you're talking about, on a nervous system level, how the body Absolutely. is impacted by, by trauma and how we can store trauma in the body. And um, sometimes we can get at it through um, talking and cognitive work, but sometimes it just is a matter of movement and touch and, and different things. So it's really, really beautiful work that you're that you're doing. And I want to encourage everyone um, to to go check out what Ryan is up to. You can email her at ryansummersyoga at gmail dot com. And just so you know, her first name is R Y A N N. Amazing name, by the way. Yeah, so R-Y-A-N-N, summersyoga at gmail.com. And, of course, go to her website, ryansummersyoga.com. And she also teaches weekly hatha and restorative uh, classes and workshops in the Bay Area at Thriveability and Yoga Mayu. And she also teaches private sessions and is available for consultations. Um, Ryan, one question. If somebody's not in the Bay Area, can they still reach out to you? Absolutely, and that's where I would be more than happy to kind of point them in the right direction of service providers if they do want something awesome. in person as well. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm open to being a resource for anybody who needs it, so I'd love to hear from Perfect. anyone. Yeah, awesome. So thank you so much um, for coming on the show today. It's a real pleasure um, to have you and to get to hear more about the work that you're doing and the healing that you're doing through yoga. Um, any final thoughts? I just would encourage people to slow down and and listen to their bodies. (laughs) That's really the whole gist of it, if I said nothing Mm -hmm. else. Thank you so much for your time, Rachel. This has been really great. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we have a lot more to share with you. Until next time, take good care of you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.